Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Let's go ahead and bow our hearts before the Lord in prayer as we get ready to continue our worship by studying the Word of God. Oh, Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for all of your blessings. Thank you for the fact that you are in control, even though it seems like everything around us is falling apart. We thank you for the faith that we have. We thank you, Lord, for the people you have healed. We thank you for the people you're using, um, medical staff, technology, church leaders that you've called. Lord, we just thank you. And we pray, Lord, for everyone who's viewing, everyone who is here in this building, that you would give us all open and receptive hearts to receive your word and to receive whatever it is your Holy Spirit wants to do in and through us. And Father, I pray for the gift of teaching. I pray for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that I would decrease and you increase. And may you be glorified this night in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So tonight we are in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and the title of tonight's message is Visible Faith. Visible Faith. Now, recently in my household, um, some of us have been bit by, you know, some previously unknown critter. And of course, we didn't know what was biting us because we did not see what this so-called invisible critter was. However, we knew we were bitten because of the effects. We had little welts on our arms and legs and necks and everything else. It was itching and burning all at the same time. And um, it it was just getting crazy. And there's even, I won't name the person, but there's even one individual in the household who's been bitten so much, you can almost connect the dots on that one individual. And so, wow, I mean, it was just crazy. And so we didn't see it, but we felt the effects of those bites. But after doing some research, we we found the culprit, what we believe is the culprit. And and these are these little biting gnats. And they have a nickname. They're they're called noceums, which is an appropriate nickname because we we can't see them. So they call it noceums as a nickname. And like those biting gnats, there are some other things that we don't see, but of course we see the effects or evidence of those things. And tonight we're going to focus on faith, as you can tell in our title. Now we cannot take a picture of a person's faith that they say they have, but yes, we can see the evidence of their faith. And tonight what we're going to do is dig into the word of God And we're going to learn about the visible faith from these characters, real characters, real people in Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. So if you want to turn there. Now in Mark 2 verse 1, it says, and again, he, that is Jesus, entered Capernaum. It's this city in in Galilee and in the northern area of Israel. So he entered there after many days or after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Now, remember, in our previous study, Jesus was outside in the deserted places because he could no longer openly enter the city because this ex-leper has spread the news that Jesus healed him. And so he was out in these deserted places where, where nobody was but him and and his father. And in verse two, in Mark chapter two, it says immediately, many gathered together. That is where Jesus was at this house so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. So not even outside or in front of the door or in the doorway, there was no room. And the scriptures tell us that Jesus preached the word to them. Now, I like the fact that we can look at other 
gospel accounts and we can fill in the blanks as I mentioned in previous lessons. Because in Luke 5, verse 17, it tells us that Pharisees and teachers of the law were there from Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. They were also present while Jesus was teaching. And in verse 3, it says, Then they came to Jesus, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. They, They brought to him someone who was paralyzed. And when they could not come near Jesus because of the crowd... They uncovered the roof where he was. They uncovered the roof above Jesus. So that when they had broken through, that is when they broken through the tiling, they let down the bed or this mat on which the paralytic was lying. Now, it's not clear if Jesus is in Peter's house or his own house. But what we do know is that Jesus was there. And what we do know is what Luke 5.17 tells us as well. It says that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. That is to heal the people. And so that's a reminder for us is that wherever Jesus is, wherever, whatever house he is in, whatever church he is in, whatever building Jesus is in, there is power there. And Jesus, when he was in that house, and again, we don't exactly know whose house it was, maybe Peter's. When he was there, there was, there was that healing power. And now the types of houses that existed at that time had, had roofs that were mostly flat. Generally, they were flat and, and they were made of a roof covering of straw, reeds, palm leaves, or, or some other similar material. Roof could have also been made of dried mud or tiles, as it says in Luke 5, 19. And people were able to get up to the roof by this outside stairway of the house. So as we see in our study in these verses so far, there were four men who had walked up the stairs. They got to the roof and they broke through it to get the paralyzed man to Jesus. And the paralyzed man could be a friend or relative of these four men. And I didn't see anywhere in the scriptures where it says he was a friend or relative. So if I called him friend, again, that could be the case. But maybe these four men who, who, who took their friend or relative to Jesus Maybe these guys were were tired of watching this paralyzed man suffer. And maybe this paralyzed man tried different things. And maybe different doctors came to him and just, just told him things but really couldn't do anything about it. And maybe these four men were there just shook their heads and said, hey, we have to do something different. And guess what? There, there's this man named Jesus He's been healing people, so maybe, since we're so tired of looking at him in this state, maybe we're going to take this paralyzed man to Jesus and and see what happens. And there's some of us as well who can be in the very same place, who are in the very same place as these four men. Maybe we're watching someone in our lives suffer, and it's hard to watch them go through whatever they are going through. And maybe it's not a physical uh, disease or maybe they're not physically paralyzed. But maybe the people in our lives that we're watching suffer. Maybe they're paralyzed in their walk with God by fear. Maybe fear paralyzed them or, or maybe they're paralyzed by confusion or some type of false belief. But all you know is that they are suffering in that state and it's, and it's hard to watch them go through that. And so I would encourage you, just like, just like these four men did, to, to bring your friends and, and family members to Jesus. And we can do that by, number one, praying for our family members and friends, by, by bringing them to Jesus in that way, praying for them. We're just simply sharing the word of God with them. In those ways, we can, we can bring our friends and relatives to Jesus, just like these four men did for, these, for this paralyzed man. 
And also just like these four men and what they had to do and, and breaking up a part of the roof to let down their, this paralytic man, some of us may have to remove barriers in the process of, of, of getting our family members and friends down to Jesus. And for us, maybe the barrier is not a literal roof. Sometimes the barrier could be just laziness or selfishness on our parts. And so we need to break, break down those, those roof tilings, so to speak, of, of our selfishness, of our laziness in order to get our friends and family members to Jesus. Or maybe it's pessimism that, oh, well, I've tried many times to, to bring this person to Christ and nothing ever happens or they always reject Christ. So maybe it's breaking up that tile, that roof tile of pessimism. And so sometimes we too will have to remove barriers in that process. But maybe we too were on that receiving end, on the end of having family members and friends who brought us to Jesus. And for them, we ought to be thankful because it's a blessing to have people in our lives who are, who are going to take us to Jesus, who are going to take us to the throne of God and let God handle it. And maybe we're, we've been complaining and, and someone heard our complaints and, and took our situation to God, don't, not even us knowing that they're praying for us. Or maybe they've literally shared the word of God to us, to, to comfort us. And so for those people, we who were on the receiving end, like this paralytic man was, we ought to be thankful because it's a blessing to have people in our lives that way. In verse 5 it says, when Jesus saw their faith, when he saw the faith of these four men, he, he said to the paralytic, this paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven you. Matthew 9, 2 says it this way, son, be of good cheer. In other words, have courage or have confidence. Be unafraid. Your sins are forgiven you. And again, that's what it says in Matthew 9, 2. And so we see just in this verse in, in Mark 2, 5, that the paralytic's most important need was to have his sins forgiven. And we too, our, our most important need is to have our sins forgiven and be reconciled to God because it's sin that separates us from God. And if we die in that state without Jesus, without repenting, then we're going to be separated from God for eternity in a place called hell. And that's the literal place that, that Jesus talked about. And so our most important need, just like this paralytic man's need, was to have our sins forgiven. Because that, that physical need that he had, just being paralyzed and wanting to move and, and walk again and live a normal life again, if, God, if Jesus were to heal him on, and only that, physically, that would have been temporary because he could have healed him, but the man still would have had to die. Just like when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, Lazarus still had to die. And so meeting that, that, that physical need was only temporary, but the forgiveness of sins, of course, has eternal benefits. And it's just a reminder for us that, that sometimes we can go to God for one need, and it may be a very valid need. It may be a good need or want. Nothing sinful about it. But sometimes God answers it in another way that we're not expecting. And that's because God knows what's best for us. And so when he says no, that just means that he has something better in mind for his children. But of course here he didn't say no. But this is just, just wasn't the answer that they were looking for. And so you can imagine the surprise or maybe the disappointment on the faces of these four men when they heard that, that your sins are forgiven to this paralytic man. Because maybe they thought that it was just going to stop right there. Now back to us, who also 
had our sins forgiven. Those of us who repented and, and we asked for forgiveness and we put our faith in Christ, our sins are forgiven. And as a result of that, we too should be of good cheer. As it tells us in Matthew 9 too, we should be of good cheer. We should have courage. We should be unafraid because our sins are forgiven. See, that shame and that disgust that we have because of our past sins, because of our past life apart from Christ, that can cause many people to be in a fearful state because we're fearful of the coming judgment. But for those, again, of us who have been forgiven of our sins because of Jesus, we can be of good cheer. There's nothing to be afraid of. We can take courage. And I like what it says in, in Isaiah 43. And this is in verse 25. It says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. This is God speaking. And I will not remember your sins. I have to say that again for some people and including myself. And I will not remember your sins. See, the God that we serve, the God of the Bible, is an omniscient God, which means that he knows everything. However, he can choose what he does not want to remember. And so he chooses to not remember our sins. In other words, our our sins, once we come to Christ, they will not be used against us once we're saved. They're forgiven. And as a matter of fact, on top of that, we are declared righteous, which is the meaning of justification. We're, We're treated as if we've never sinned. And so he will not remember our sins. And so be of good cheer. Take, take, take that same thing that, that Jesus told this paralytic. Be of good cheer. Take courage. We don't have to be afraid. But now as a believer, if we do sin, yes, confess that sin. And the scripture tells us that, that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's for fellowship purposes. We don't have to get saved all over again as believers when we sin. But no, just, just like Jesus told Peter, sometimes all you need is to have your feet washed. And as believers, spiritually speaking, all we need to do is have our feet washed. We don't need to take a whole bath all over again because we're going to get a little, bit of, a little bit of dirt on us spiritually as we go through that sanctification process. But back in Mark chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, it says, and some of the scribes, and these are the teachers of the law, It says they were sitting there and reasoning. They were debating in their hearts. And Luke 5, 21 tells us that that the Pharisees were reasoning in their hearts as well. And a Pharisee, by the way, is is part of the Jewish sect or group. And, And the Pharisee means separated ones. And there's a reference to them living a a different way of life from the general public. They were separated ones. They were strict in observing the law. And on top of that, they added the traditions of man to the law in order to apply the law to different situations or or circumstances. And so the scribes and the Pharisees, according to Luke 5.21, were reasoning in their hearts. And what were they debating in their hearts? Well, we'll look at verse 7 in Mark 2. It says, why does this man, and that's with the capital M speaking of Jesus, speaks blasphemies like this? Why is he insulting God like this? Who can forgive sins? Who can remove guilt and, and get rid of the penalty of sins except for God or but God alone? But immediately when when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he, knowing their thoughts, as it tells us in Matthew 9, 4, he said to them, to these scribes and Pharisees, why do you reason? Why do you debate about these things in your hearts? So, yes, 
They reason in their hearts. They debated in their hearts. Who can, why is this man blaspheming God? Who can forgive sins except for God himself? And notice that even though they said that in their hearts, Jesus knew the questions they had. And I want to ask you tonight, what questions do you have? Questions that have been bothering you. Questions that have been getting in the way of a stronger walk with the Lord. What questions do you have? What, what questions or what are you confused about tonight? And you can lay it before the Lord. Whatever it is, you can lay it before him. And it makes sense to do that because as we see in tonight's lesson, he knows what you're confused about anyway. He knows what you are upset about Anyway, he knows what is bothering you anyway, so you might as, well, might as well lay it out before him and allow him to deal with it. In verse 9, it says, which is easier, as Jesus continues, to say to the paralytic, this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know or so that you will know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, verse 11, I I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed and, and went out in the presence of them all. Luke 5, 25 says he departed to his own house. And it adds that he was glorifying God. He was giving honor to God. This this man who used to be paralyzed. But I want to focus on, first of all, the son of man. You may be wondering, what is Jesus talking about that? What is he talking about right there? What does that mean? Well, this is a title for the Christ or the Messiah that you can read about in, in Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. So, but that you may know that the Son of Man, in other words, referring to himself as the Messiah, a uh, claim that he's the Messiah, that you may know that the Messiah has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man. And we already read what he said in, in verses 11 and 12. And in verse 12, he, this man arose and he went out in the presence of all, glorifying God. And so it was easier to tell this man that his sins are forgiven because can't, nobody can see that. That's something that happens in the spiritual realm. You can't see sins being forgiven. So that's why Jesus says, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. However, people can see a man who was once paralyzed get up and walk. They can see that, but not see forgiveness being granted in the spiritual realm. And so Jesus showed them something in the physical realm. And this, and this healing of this man would serve as proof of Jesus' claim to have power on earth to forgive sins. To forgive those sins, again, in that spiritual realm. And as we read the scriptures, we, we see that God does many things in the material world. In this physical world. And it really gives us a picture of what he can do in the spiritual realm. For example, when when Jesus turns that water into wine, it's just a reminder for us of what he can do in the spiritual realm in our lives. Just like he turned that that water into wine, he can can give us a new heart. He, He can turn us sinners, people not worth anything when we worth something to God, but not worth anything to anybody else because all we're doing is sinning and being destructive, but he could turn us into something productive and useful. He could change us into children, his children. 
He can do things like that. And, and when we see God healing the blind, when we see Jesus healing someone who is blind in the physical realm, it gives us a picture of him being able to lift the spiritual blinders off of someone who's spiritually blind. And so what God does in the material world gives us a picture of what he can do in the spiritual realm. And there's some things about us as believers that we cannot see. We can't, we can't see all of our inheritance that are in the heavenly places. We, we can't see all those things. We can't see or take a picture of everything that God says we are. But whatever God says we are, whoever he says we are, that's who we are. Whatever God says that we have or can have, then that's what we have. And those things are though we can't touch them and smell them or we, we can't take a picture of those things, these, these spiritual blessings. We know we have them. They are real. Forgiveness is real. Grace and, and mercy, we can't see them. We can't take a picture of them, but, but they are real. The power that we have through the Holy Spirit is real. We can't take a picture of what the power looks like, but we know that we have that power within us because the Holy Spirit indwells every single believer. And so there, there's many spiritual blessings that, that we have. Can't see, but they are very real. They're very real. And we can see them in the visible, written word of God. But I don't want to leave this lesson without pointing out something about Jesus' deity. Because some people claim that Jesus never said he was God or that Jesus, period, is not God. They don't care what Jesus said. But tonight I'm going to show you some things that Jesus did that, that shows he is God. And he shows that, that he is God in several ways. And one way he, he shows he is God is, is the fact that he forgave this, this paralytic man of his sins. Even the scribes and Pharisees themselves says, who can forgive sins except God? They were true in that statement. The only thing that di they did not do is equate Jesus with God. So, yes, very true. Only God can forgive sins, can nullify the penalty of sins. And that's what Jesus did when he forgave the paralytic of his sins. And so he proved that he's God in that way. Another way he proved that he's God in this lesson is by knowing what was in the scribes' hearts. He knew what was in their hearts. And just to show you that this is something that only God can do, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And just to give you a little background before we read verse 7, just want to let you know in, in this situation, Samuel is on a mission and he's going to Bethlehem. And he's going to meet a man named Jesse who has some sons because because God is going to use Samuel to anoint the next king after King Saul. And this is the king of Israel. And so while he was there in, in 1 Samuel 16, Samuel looked at one of Jesse's sons named Eliab. And Samuel was like, surely this is the anointed one. Surely this is the next king who's going to come after Saul. But God had to slow down Samuel. Hold up. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, he says, But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance. Don't, don't look at Eliab's appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. And guess what? This is exactly what Jesus did. He looked at the scribes and Pharisees' heart, looked into their heart, and saw what they were debating within themselves. Something that only God can do. And so that's the second way in our lesson tonight that Jesus shows that he is God. That same God of the Old Testament. 
Now, third way he, he proves or shows that, that he's God is the fact that he healed this paralytic. Because it shows that he has the power of God to heal. And so those are three ways that Jesus showed that he's God. Forgave sin. He, he was able to look into people's hearts. He knows what's in man, in other words. And he has the power to heal. Now, just finishing up the, the rest of, uh, of verse 12 there, because I stopped in the middle of verse 12 in Mark 2. It says, so that all were amazed and glorified God. So after this paralytic was healed, picked up his bed and, and walked, went back to his house glorifying God, the, everybody else were, were amazed and, and they glorified God themselves. And, and what they said was, we never saw anything like this. Matthew 9, 8 says that this multitude marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. So yes, these, these people, they never saw anything like what they saw on that day. So they were so amazed by that. And God can do and, and is doing things in our lives today that that, that we've never experienced before. We never saw anyone else go through or experience. So some of us have experienced miracles and healings in our lives. God is doing amazing things. The, the doors in various parts of our lives look like they've been shut. And, and God is so amazing and working miracles that those doors, other doors have been opening for us. When it looks like there's no way, God has been making some kind of way. Just like he split the Red Sea for the children of Israel in the book of Exodus. There, there are some situations in our lives that have looked bleak and there's no one else to help us. No matter how many times we, we pray, been praying for years. And nothing seemed to happen except for a certain time. And God came through in a way that we've never experienced before. And, and guess what? God is going to keep on amazing us. The situation that we're in today, and I'm so tired of talking about COVID-19, but the situation that we're in right now, I, I bet you, I, I'm not a betting man, but I would, if I were, I would bet you that God is going to do amazing things. And I'll tell you what, the amazing thing that's going to come out of this I, is that I believe many people who were once blind are now going to be able to see, I'm talking about spiritually, that people who were once lost are going to be found, people who had weak faith are going to have their faith strengthened people who didn't think that that God was still moving today they're going to see that God is still moving in an awesome way in their families families that were broken apart are being restored right now God is doing amazing things and he's going to continue to do them but I'm just waiting for the amazing time when Jesus is going to come back and he is going to rapture his church and we're going to meet him in the air and the scripture tells us that so shall we ever be with the Lord and there's no more COVID-19 in heaven or in eternity, uh, in eternity. There's no more cancer in eternity. There's no more dying or weakness. There's no more sin nature in eternity. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And so it's going to be so amazing when Jesus comes back. And I, and I believe right now we are in the last days and he can come back at any moment now. And so he is still amazing people and we'll continue to amaze and so I don't want to stay too long on that point because we can talk about all of the amazing things that he has done but I just want to wrap up tonight's message and and, and get back to the title of the message which is called visible faith and so in our lesson tonight not only have we seen some something visible from Jesus for example, in the healing of the paralytic and, and that visible thing, that healing of the paralytic served as proof, of course, of something that we cannot see. That is the power to forgive sins. So not only have we seen once again 
prove of the invisible thing Jesus can do by something that is visible in healing of this man. But I want to turn our attention to the visible proof of these four men's faith who took their paralytic friend or relative to Jesus. And their faith is is something that we can't see. Something we can't look into their hearts and see, but we, we, we have proof of their faith, just like Jesus had proof of their faith. Because Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus saw their faith. Now let's take a look in Hebrews 11.1 1 and see what this says about faith. It says, faith is the substance. It is the reality or confidence, in other words, of things hoped for. It is the evidence or certainty of things not seen. In other words, a, a person who has faith has firm trust in what they're hoping for. A person who has faith has, has a firm belief in what they are expecting in the future, although they cannot see it. They have that certainty in what they can't see as if they already had it. And that is right there. And I like what one preacher says about faith. He says, faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. And that goes along with this verse here in Hebrews 11.1. 1. And what I want to do is real quick turn to James chapter 2 and real quick read verses 14 through 17. It says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Now notice the word says. Says he has faith but does not have works. Now for brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and, and one of you says focus on that word says, to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? And so the point is, mere words mean nothing. Anybody could say they have faith, but where's the actions to to back up that faith they say they have? Thus, in James 2.17, also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So the faith a person would say they have or says they have, but it does not have works that matches up, that, that faith is dead. And these four men that we saw in our lesson, they did not have dead faith. In fact, they acted on that firm belief that they had that Jesus can heal this paralyzed man. They did not have dead faith. They acted, in other words, like they believed God. They acted on their faith that was in their hearts. They have visible faith. And so is our faith visible? Because we just don't want to stay there and just talk about these four men. Let's, let's talk about us. Is our faith visible? In other words, is, is there evidence that the faith we say we have truly exists? Is there evidence of our faith? You say that Jesus or God is the one who fixes people. But is our faith visible in this? Do we act like it? Do we act like we have faith in that fact that God fixes people by taking people to Jesus and and letting him handle it? Or do we try to do it all? Do we try to fix those people ourselves? Oh, Jesus, you can can fix it. God, you are the ultimate fixer upper. And and I'm going to bring this person to you. But God, I'm going to put my hands in it and I'm going to... Uh, grow frustrated and trying to fix this person myself. I'm going to grow frustrated trying to fix my husband or wife or, or my children myself. And so 
Do we have that evident faith that God is truly the one who fixes people? Or are we those people who are going to try to do it ourselves? Or for those of us who say we put our faith in Christ for salvation, is our faith visible? Is our faith visible by obeying the word of God? You see, works is not the means to salvation. Works is not how we get saved. We're saved by grace through faith. In other words, salvation is available to us as a free gift. That's what grace is. It's an unearned favor of God. Salvation is available because of grace. But we appropriate that, that grace, that gift of salvation through faith. And so works is not the means of salvation. Faith is the means to salvation. However, just like Ephesians 2.10 tells us, however, we believers are God's workmanship. We are his masterpiece. We're created in Christ for good works. And so we're not saved by good works, but we are saved or created in Jesus Christ for good works. And so is our faith in Christ visible? Those of us who say we're saved, that we're true believers, are we showing good fruit? Are we obeying the word of God? Are we demonstrating that new life that we say we have? Are we demonstrating the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? We say we save, but do our actions show it? Or how about in our circumstances? How about in our situations in life? Is our faith visible in our circumstances? Is it visible in our circumstances by us not panicking when the situation gets hot, when the, when the heat is turned up a little bit, when the door seems to be shut and welded closed in our lives? There doesn't seem to be a way. Are we panicking? When we don't see the end of a situation, are we panicking? Or is our faith visible in our circumstances by not panicking? Is our faith visible by us not worrying in, in a situation that others will worry about? Is our faith visible in our circumstances by not giving up? Oh God, you're not coming through in a timely manner according to my standards. And so, Lord, I'm just going to give up. And there are some people who may want to give up because one way seems blocked. Because there doesn't seem to be an end in view. But do not give up unless you have a clear word from God that he's not taking you in that direction. That that is not his will for you. If God reveals that to you, then stop pursuing that thing. But, but other than that, don't, don't show a lack of faith by giving up. Instead, show that, that, that faith. Make your faith that you say you have visible by being persistent, by continuing Show that your faith is visible by not blaming God when the going gets tough. Don't be one of those people who are going to blame God. You see, your faith, my faith is on full display. Our faith is, is visible when we keep on praising God. When something is not going the way we want it to, but yet and still, we're going to keep lifting up on our, our hands and we're going to open our mouths and we're still going to praise and glorify God. And in that way, our faith is, is visible. Our faith is on full display when we keep on worshiping God. No, we can't. Most of us are not in the building right now and been shut out of the churches for a long time. But you are showing your faith by still viewing this, this service and different online services online. By still listening to the recordings, by, by still reading your Bibles, by, by still singing those songs of praise in your home by, by worshiping the Lord, by still getting up early in the morning or being up late at night, praying to the Lord. You, you, you still, or you're showing that visible faith by still worshiping him in the midst of your situation. By keep on doing those things you were doing when, when times were good. Although times may be bad in your life right now, 
Although times may be challenging in your life right now, although times may be challenging right now in your marriage or maybe at work, maybe you got laid off and things are not going the way you want them to right now, but yet and still those things that you were doing when times were good, you are still doing those things. You are still obeying the Lord in spite of your circumstances. And in those ways, we are putting our faith on full display. And so is our faith visible like these four men's faith was visible? Is it visible in our circumstances as the worship team takes the stage? Now, God, as I leave you with some final words, he, he already knows the faith that we have. Even before we do anything, even before we act, He already knows the the faith that we have within us. However, people don't know that. People cannot see the faith that is within us until they see it in action. And that's what we call tonight visible faith. And so brothers and sisters in Christ, we... We want to remember that that people are watching. That there's people who are feeling hopeless and confused and and they're looking for hope. They're looking for that ultimate way out. They're they're looking for peace, that peace that passes all understanding. They're they're looking for comfort. And so people are are watching. They They are watching us as believers. And so as believers, how we act out our faith or how we don't act out the faith that we say we have, that could affect people's view of God. And so we want to be mindful of that. So if we have faith, now is the time to show it. And when we do that, yes, we glorify God, but at the same time, there's a world around us that's dying, that's confused, that's, that's afraid. And, and by us acting on that faith that we have, oh my goodness, you, you never know the impact you can have on someone. And so I just want to leave you with those words and just want to thank you for joining us. Our praise and worship team, they're going to lead us in one last song. And before they do, uh, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the faith that we have. We thank you for including tonight's story in the Bible, your word. And Lord, we thank you for the timely word that you give us, a word that you give us in our time of need. You know exactly what we need and you know how to meet those needs. I pray for anyone right now who's in this room, on this campus, and anyone, Lord, who is viewing the service or listening to the service, whether live or a recorded version. If they have a need, Lord, I pray that you are provided. I pray that they'll remember what your word says. For those who are worrying about food, clothing, those other necessities in life. That, Lord, they would act on their faith and they would seek the kingdom of God and your righteousness. And your word says all these things, everything that they know they need will be added to them. And we thank you that you know what people need before they ask. If If someone needs a little more courage and boldness, I pray that you would grant that tonight. If there's anyone who needs recovery or healing, I pray that by your will, according to your grace and mercy, that you would grant that to them tonight. And Lord, I I just lift up Pastor Jim and leadership team. That you would give us all wisdom and and all of the saints, Lord, 
who are part of this fellowship. I pray for all of the church leaders you raised up, God, around the world and your people to approach this upcoming service on May 10th and whenever the rest of your people are starting their services in person. Lord, give them wisdom. We need it, Lord. And we pray for anyone who's not saved and they don't know where they're going if they were to die tonight. And that could happen. Any of us can can die the, the, the very next second. We don't know. But God does. And so if you're not sure that you're going to live with God for eternity, I would encourage you tonight to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And if that's something you want to do, I'll lead you in the prayer. And if you mean it, then repeat after me. For the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is a promise. So repeat after me if you want to make him your Savior and Lord tonight. God, I thank you for the gospel message. I thank you that you love me so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for my sins. And I believe that he is savior of the world. And I believe in my heart that you have raised him from the dead. And I confess to you tonight that I am a sinner and I ask you to forgive me and I ask Jesus I ask your Holy Spirit to come into my heart at this moment thank you for allowing me to be for making me your son, your daughter. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you were sincere about it, welcome to the family of God. If you have a prayer request or if you would like to request a Bible, please go to calvaryqueencreek.org. Scroll to the bottom of the homepage Fill out the form, it'll go straight to the church's email inbox, and we'll get you whatever you need. So once again, we we thank you for joining us tonight, and let's keep one another in prayer. God bless you, God keep you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church, how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.